episode uh, with my our friend Kevin McCaffrey, uh, we did almost an entire episode just going off on the Miami Marlins because we both have this long-standing, almost bizarre, just out hatred of that team. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 weird. And we kind of started the episode off by talking about: Does it feel weird to hate the Marlins this much? And by the end, we concluded, no, nah, it really doesn't. That there, there is no good reason to like the Marlins. They're a fake team with awful history, no fans, horrific ownership, and yet somehow they've won two World Series and no division championships in our lifetime. And they, it's a weird team to. It's definitely a weird team to like, but it also makes it a weird team to hate, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the 2003 playoffs certainly are a big part of that. And now this year's kind of yeah. added on to it a little bit. Although this year, I mean, anyone was going to beat this year's Cubs in the postseason because it turns out uh, you kind of need to hit a fastball once or twice in order to win yeah. a game or a series in October. Who knew? Uh, but yeah, the, the Marlins... Not the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, not the Cubs, certainly not. <laughs> uh, uh, but the Marlins, I, the best way I can describe it is they, they, just, they just kind of offend my baseball sensitivities in, in just about every way. And I'm, I'm curious to ask, just as a start, as a, as a Tiger fan, uh, I know that there are rivalries with teams like the White Sox and there's, you know, geographic proximity to the Blue Jays. But that's, as far as I know, not really a thing. Is, is there a team that you have that's got like just a similar weird, irrational hate behind it? Oh, I mean, the... Indians, it's got we got to be the Indians. I mean, I don't, I don't care for the White Sox as a team. Blue Jays, I've always kind of liked. I don't know. I mean, like there's teams that even though like the Tigers play them often, they may or may not like get kicked around by them. Uh, I mean, the Blue Jays, I don't know. The Blue Jays, you kind of kind of <laughs> like the Blue Jays. I mean, maybe, maybe you don't, but I, I, I do. Indians oh, I are the ones that I just, I just hate. I mean, yeah. I just can't, I can't stand them. Never have. And, and the Indians Tigers thing to, is fascinating to me right now because for the first part of the last decade, during the really glory years when Miggy and Victor Martinez were at their height and Verlander and Scherzer were leading the rotation, like the, it felt like the Tigers would routinely slaughter the Indians, which is a horrible metaphor yeah. when you use, take it literally. But, right. uh, but baseballically, uh, they, routinely throughout the year, it, it felt like they'd go like 16 and 2 in, during the season series. And now that Cleveland is making the postseason just about every year and the Tigers are neck deep in rebuilding, that's completely reversed. And now it's... it's they went... I, I remember how long they went without beating the Indians. I think it was almost a full year. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not quite that long. It was like a full... Oh, they. It, I think it was 20 games. Oh, they they lost in a row to the Indians. And, and I've always, I mean, the last few years, even though the Indians have had a good record and they've made the playoffs consistently, I've always thought they've been overrated. Mm-hmm. And that just made watching them just kick the shit out of the Tigers <laughs> time after time again even worse. Yeah, and, and that, that's what drives you nuts. And, and that's, I guess, a little bit of, of my Marlins hate, too, is that, as I say, the Marlins have never been good enough to finish in first place. And yet they've beaten the Cubs twice, once in the most gut-wrenching fashion possible in the postseason. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, it's that sense of you're not as good as you should be to be causing me this level of pain. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that really, that is another way of vocalizing it. And it, I, you, 
obviously in baseball, you can have years where just through the randomness of when you're hot playing a certain team when they're cold, you can utterly dominate them. But it, it really feels like that they have multi-year stretches, like sometimes three or four years of just utter domination. And, and yeah. I think other than the Yankees playing the Twins in the playoffs of any other scenario yeah. where that happens in baseball. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't hate the Twins, but I love. Even though I, I hate the Yankees probably the most of any team, I, I hate. I love watching them kick the shit out of the Twins in the playoffs. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. <laughs> I, I didn't know you had an inner sadist when it comes to the Twin Cities. That oh, yeah. I mean the, the Twins also. I think it was. I think I can't remember. I think it was Tory Hunter, who actually ended up being a Tiger. Um, I think in in 06, when the Tigers made their first playoffs in forever and they had the World Series run, they ended up losing the Central by a single game, and Torrey Hunter sent um, the Royals like a, a case of Cristal for beating <laughs> the Tigers on the last day. Uh-huh. And I have no love for the Twins ever since, even though, again, <laughs> Torrey Hunter ended up becoming a Tiger and was a fine Tiger, but... Because that's how baseball works, is that they're the yeah. worst. They're awful right until they join your team. And then, yeah, they're a leader. I, but it's still, even when he was a Tiger and doing well, I didn't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, and the thing is that didn't the Twins then get swept in the first round by Oakland? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, they did. And then the Tigers, yeah. of course, beat Oakland. Right. Uh, Maglio Ordonez hit that uh, amazing game-winning, uh, series-winning uh, home run. Yeah. As I recall, if you don't want Torrey Hunter to send a shipment of Cristal to the Royals clubhouse. Just tell them they're hosting a gay wedding there. He'll avoid it. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. Forget. Uh, yeah, that's another reason to hate him actually is politics. is garbage. That's true yeah. with a lot of baseball players. But. Right. Right. Uh, he, but he is one of the vocal ones about it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is a shame because other than that, he really was a fun player and seemed to really enjoy himself in the way you wish more players would on the field. But yeah, when it comes to that, I did. <laughs> when it comes to you not wanting me to, to be able to get married, yeah, oddly enough, can't get past that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think I think I make sure have maybe even said this last time we did this, but uh, part of being a lefty baseball player is just pretending Sean Doolittle represents everyone. Yes, he's the the only person with politics in baseball, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely, and and just. I mean, I, I had a conversation actually uh, for an article I wrote for Outsports uh, a couple of weeks ago with, uh, do you know Billy Bean, who uh, was MLB's ambassador for inclusion, is now a special assistant to the commissioner, not the A's president. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, yeah. Yes, I do. A player who came out after his playing career. And I had a really just incredible 20-minute talk with him for an article. And he's, he's someone who is just like the kind of person that if you're feeling – down about the way your sport approaches a given topic you should talk to him because he will lift you up about it and he just could not stop raving about what an incredible ally Sean Doolittle and his wife Erin Dolan are to him and the community in general and yeah uh, he is I mean not only I mean he's obviously a great dude fun player to watch but just the just the commitment he has to keeping out front about it is it's really cool to watch. 
Yeah, someone who is, and especially in the world of baseball, that that's an act of bravery because yeah. so many players, uh, even though they hold that kind of group think politics that uh, we would rather they not talk about, so many of them just try to avoid the subject altogether, probably because it would reveal some awful things. But Doolittle, yeah. Doolittle puts the pride flag on his cleats on Pride Night, and yeah. you know I, I can't think of a better ally uh to to represent the community up until we have someone actually come out in this damn game you know kind of happen for too long you'd think yeah it's we're yeah we we we're certainly hoping because yeah it will be uh a, a day to celebrate even though it's something that's commonplace in you know leagues like the wnba or the nwsl but uh but yeah it, it will still be a a giant thing and and i look forward to writing that story and we will Put a pin in that and jump on into October in just a second here because this is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 47, the Rod Beck episode of Three Strikes You're Out, the shooter. My name is Ken Schultz, a contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus and comedian off pause this week after doing my first Zoom show ever, which was delightful on Tuesday night. And thank you to Outspoken in Chicago for hosting me. It was really a lot of fun. The other voice you're hearing on the other end of this podcast is a friend of the pod and one of my dearest comedy pals living in New York, uh, native of Detroit, Adam Sokol. Thanks for joining me again, my friend. Yeah, of course. And I actually hadn't even realized we hadn't uh, done all this part yet. It was just so much just gotten in the chatting that I didn't realize we had uh, not started officially. One of these days, I'm going to just do the cold open for like 40 minutes as like a Monty Python thing. <laughs> And then end it with two seconds of credits and then say goodnight. Uh, there's at least one or two Python episodes where you don't see the credits until like the 28th minutes before like the show open. And then they do the closing. There's one in particular where they did the closing credits at the top of the show. And I think either abandoned the show open entirely or did it at the very end because <laughs> Python and they're fun. Uh, but that's not why you called. Uh, all right. I'm giving you a choice, Adam Sokol. Do we jump in? to the series that you and I discussed before we started recording, the Dodgers-Padres that we're both loving, or do we want to talk about MLB's Astros problem off the top? Uh, let's go Astros problem. Let's do negative first. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, it, it's almost like a bookend for the 2020 season, and really no more appropriate bookend for 2020 than MLB once again has an Astros problem. And this time the problem is... They're not going away in October, and they are now four wins away from being in their third World Series since 2017, and that's that's a no good. Uh, I, I the the thing that's really I, I guess off the top that's that's bugging me the most is that the Astros are treating this as a revenge tour. Of of the MLB playoffs, I don't. I mean, I know every team kind of does that. They all want to play with it, or they all they all think they have a chip on their shoulder, and they're the the world's out to get them. And in the Astros' case, the world is kind of out to get them, but yeah. because they absolutely deserve it. Yeah, the world should be out to get them. They're <laughs> they cheated. The Multiple world should times. be Joe Kelly when it comes down to it. Honestly. Uh, yeah, it's I, I don't the, the the weird and you know I know again everyone wants to paint themselves as an underdog and I, I I understand that whole like narrative but the pride they're taking and the fact that they're sacks of shit is is <laughs> just so weird. 
I, I kind of wonder if part of that is because they spent all of spring training and summer camp trying to come up with something, an apology that would not, uh, would not prompt a rageful response in everyone, but there really is no such thing because of the nature of what they did. Yeah. I, I guess now that they're in the playoffs, they've just decided, fuck it, let's lean into being heels. And it uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird hating Carlos Correa, but uh, if that's what he wants, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to bring the hate. Uh, it's also, it, it's frustrating because like if they, they should have had an awful season. They should have gotten they booed everywhere they went. No, I mean, like, as, like, people. Oh, yeah, yes. They, they should have just had, like, a miserable season, I guess, where it should be the, like, they should have gotten booed and had, you know, stuff thrown under them <laughs> everywhere they went. And they didn't even, they didn't even have to suffer that. Mm-hmm. So they're not even, there's not even, they don't, they absolutely don't deserve to have a chip on their shoulder. Because it was nothing. It was empty, empty stadiums wherever they went. They suffered no consequences. They have a ring and a World Series appearance, and now they might have another, and I just have no patience for that entire fan base. Yeah, and uh, there was talk before the season of MLB taking away their title and vacating their trophy, and honestly, I'm at the point now where I want MLB to take away Carlos Correa's engagement ring from after game <laughs> World Series. Like, it's not just the chip on their shoulder, but it's also, it's, it's a dumb chip on the shoulder. Like, Correa is going up before the media after beating the Twins twice in a row and saying, yeah, well, everyone was mad at us. Well, what are they going to say now? We won two games in the road. Yeah, you beat the fucking Twins in the playoffs. Yeah. You know who does that? Everybody. <laughs> twins Except have literally Tigers. not won a playoff game since 2004. So if, if you're going to, you know, strut about after beating them, guess what? Everyone in baseball can do that, too. And, re- again, revenge for what? That, that you cheated and yeah. that you found out about it? it how, how do you and get that, revenge for that? You, you, your revenge is that you have the trophy and the championship rings. That people get angry for a very legitimate reason. You don't yeah. get revenge for that. Yeah. And the thing that the more I think about this and uh, – we made reference earlier to the 2003 Cubs, but uh, my experience, especially with the 2004 Cubs of that era, um, this is eerily familiar to me in terms of Dusty Baker, uh, who is beloved by a lot of people in baseball. And he, and it seems like a fun guy and he's got like some good political opinions. So I will definitely give him that. Having been through the Dusty Baker managerial experience with the Cubs, uh, I, I can't claim to be unbiased. I'm, I'm not a fan by any means. Uh, but Dusty Baker, in terms of motivation, has really one chip, and it's that us against the world, nobody believed in us. Yeah. And with the 2004 Cubs, after coming off of that disastrous playoff series against the Marlins in 2003, he spent that entire season turning – his clubhouse into an us against the world mentality to the point where that September, all they could focus on was going after their own broadcasters and media members who were, who would legitimately report the way they were choking away their playoff spot that, that, uh, that fall. Yeah. Uh, and so when Dusty was hired by the Astros, especially after the revelations about their cheating, my thought was, yep, I know exactly what he's going to do. And, damn it, that hasn't completely come true right now. This is the, almost the apotheosis of Dusty's 
us against the world mentality of, okay, yeah, you're mad at us. Well, we're going to, we're, we're going to play this card and, and this is yes. how I'm going to motivate you through the playoffs. And, and that's the way Houston's playing right now. And they're winning because there is no God. So, <laughs> and the one X, and we made reference to earlier, earlier to this too, in, in this rant, that almost like the cherry on top of what's so frustrating about Houston doing so well all of a sudden now that the playoffs have started is that they were under 500 during the regular yeah. season. Two games under. The only reason that they're in the playoffs to begin with is because of this gimmicky 2020 format. Yeah. And it's yet another way that they've kind of taken advantage of a loophole for their own gain. And they're doing it, I guess, hats off to you for it. But it's so irritating to watch. And that just makes it extra, like, again, it's a knife in the stomach of my baseball purist self, I guess. Yeah, I was listening to, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, uh, but they were talking about, like, how much he hated the Astros. And, like, his thing was he wanted them to go as far as they could and then lose, mm-hmm. uh, which made no sense to me. Like, no, no, I want them to not be here. I, I don't I want them to, to go home. I want them to go away. I, I mean, it's really what I want. Yeah. Which is like every playoff game they're in is another playoff game another fan base doesn't get to watch. And it just it just pisses me off. Yeah, it, it seems and like especially since their like rebuild was such an amazing story that I like I was really I was really invested in the Astros before all this came out. I thought it was just a real fun franchise to watch get good. And then to watch them just piss it away with being shitheads is is just really frustrating for the sport, like as a fan of the sport. No. Yeah, I mean, it, it, before all this came out about what, what they did in 2017, uh, yeah, I certainly bought into the idea that this was a fun franchise and had done it in a fascinating way about kind of rethink, not just rebuilding, but rethinking the way you build a baseball team and, and yeah. what uh, strengths you look for in baseball players. And I mean, for God's sake, Jose Altuve was one of the most enjoyable players to watch. And even yeah. him now, is, even he, you cast doubt on his achievement. A2 Altuve? <laughs> <laughs> then, gosh, and then fall orbit, I guess, to because <laughs> I got to be an English major and complete the line. That's, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I guess one of the things that we can take from this is after this season, Rob Manfred, for the love of God, do not expand the playoffs in a regular 162 game season. I, this, oh, they're going. They're a hundred. He's a hundred percent gone. Yeah, I'm. I'm resigned to it too. But I mean, this is what it opens you up to. Is now you have a really, really unsatisfying team who had a shitty, mediocre season full of players that everybody detests is now going to be one of your final four teams left standing. And it's it's a I guess a ESPN easy hot take to make that well the Astros are like baseball's Patriots so maybe they're secretly good for the sport but yeah I, no, no they're not no I like the playoffs when they're fun to watch and I enjoy the teams watching I don't like hate watching a yeah. game and, and hoping a team gets destroyed but I mean, you leave me no choice Houston yeah uh, but speaking of fun teams that are watching let's let's move on to a much more enjoyable series that Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to end in a sweep tonight as, uh, as we're taping this right now. The Dodgers are up 6-2. Uh, Dodgers-Padres, the two best teams in the National League. Um, 
Last night played what is got to be the most enjoyable baseball game outside of Alec Mills' no-hitter that I've seen this year. Uh, it was just a damn museum piece of a baseball game, the kind you want hung in the Louvre as soon as it was over. It had, like, so much leading up to, even before the signature moment, between Clayton Kershaw having a good, not great outing, so it wasn't him uh, falling prey to the narrative, but it was still exciting because he wasn't just utterly dominating San Diego. You had Machado and Hosmer going back-to-back with home runs, and Machado... Uh, as soon as it left the bat, jettisoning it toward the dugout in almost perfect <laughs> Jose Bautista style and yelling, let's fucking go at his team. <laughs> uh, it, in just like everything that makes Manny Machado fun to watch, where he's being a troll and being kind of a dick, but is not trying to injure the opposing team. That, that's kind of <laughs> a happy medium I'm going for with him. Uh, so that was all exciting enough. And then... Late in the game, and I think it was the sixth inning, uh, the Dodgers were up by one. Padres had a runner on and Fernando Tatis up at the plate. And they brought in Bruce Dark Gratterall, who throws just the, one of the easiest 100-mile-an-hour fastballs you'll ever see. And Fernando Tatis unloaded on one to dead center field. And off the bat, you get excited from that angle. And then they cut to the the uh, behind the plate camera and you see Cody Bellinger tracking immediately back to the warning track and thinking, Oh my God, the most exciting player in, in baseball just put the Padres up in this game and might've turned the series around. And uh, then you see Bellinger kind of settling in right underneath the wall, leaping at the perfect apex of his jump ball lands in his glove, pulls it down immediately knows he has robbed the go ahead home run from Fernando Tatis goes for the most awkward chest bump that turns into a chest ass bump with Josh <laughs> Peterson uh, and Gratterall. They cut to him and he's already fired his glove off to the Dodgers dugout as if to respond to Manny Machado's bat flip from earlier. And it's like, it, it is just the kind of thing that turned me into an NBA bench warmer hype man where I watched it in the moment and even sitting by myself in my apartment, I just went, ah, oh, at something like that. And that, that's the kind of that right there. Even in a year where they're playing before empty stands and fake crowd noise, that's your goddamn post, postseason baseball moment right there. That yeah. If you can find that highlight, get to it immediately because it is, it is a thing. And uh, the John Boy breakdown afterwards, too, is, is quite delightful. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's it. Are, are you sad that this is only going three games? Because this is kind of this is what we want in the postseason, right? I mean, like both those teams have been so fun to follow this year. I mean, like both I the Padres are they're just a a really exciting team to watch. Obviously, I mean they're they're great. They've got like amazing talent, and the Dodgers. I I I have felt there's no reason to feel sorry for the Dodgers because through the Dodgers, but at the same time, they went so all in to this team and then just to have everything collapse around them before I felt kind of, kind of sorry for them. I mean, again, I don't generally feel sorry for baseball franchises that I don't follow, but mm-hmm. I felt a little sorry for them. So, yeah. I mean, like the, 
I, I was really hoping either one of them would make it to the World Series. And I, it's still, either one of them, I'd be happy to see in the World Series. Yeah. And but I, yeah, I would love to see both those teams play more. If they could just like give the Padres an audible and let them play in the next series as well, uh-huh. just yeah, let them do the let them do the the championship series too. Yeah, you get your postseason mulligan. You know, Padres haven't been in the postseason since geez, two thousand six. So yeah, maybe yeah. You, yeah, that should be like an instituted rule for pandemic baseball. Is yeah, you you get you know one that you can just say yeah, let's let's do that all over again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to your point about feeling kind of bad for the Dodgers, it's, it's weird because they're clearly the most well-put-together, well-run organization of this era and the dominant team of this era. And yet, at, to this point, there's not a chance in hell that I would want to switch places with the Dodgers because yeah. without that World Series win, it's like, it's like Cleveland from the 90s. Uh, or I'm, <laughs> I hate to bring it up, but... Uh, a certain era of Tigers baseball that we just got through. Yeah. You, you've lived that with a yeah. team that dominates year after year, but can't quite run through the tape at, at, at the, at the end and get the big prize. And that's, that, that's a frustration that builds over time. Uh, and it, as, as good as they've been and as fun as they are to watch until they get that world series, that's going to follow them. I do think um, that one thing that we're learning uh, from the Dodgers-Padres series is that it's very difficult as the way the Dodgers are presently constructed for them to be completely challenged by another team in this postseason. And that's probably something that their fans can take a little bit of heart in because obviously the Brewers were not up to snuff. That was... No, uh, I mean, that was... uh, No one... Yeah, no one thought that was going to be a close series. Yeah, that, that was essentially a participation trophy for Milwaukee. Uh, but with the Padres, the, it, the thing that's really unfortunate for them is that this series has rolled around right at the time where all their starting pitching is injured. That uh, They tried throwing Mike Clevenger out in game one, and he lasted for an inning before they had to take him out. Uh, Denelson Lamette hasn't even seen a mound in the postseason. And so, unfortunately, the Padres have, are facing a series where they have to throw bullpen games out for five games in a row. And yeah. it's a team that's throwing Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw and Dustin May at you. That's not going to work. And so I, I think what we're learning from this is that the Dodgers are just so utterly complete as a team that if there's any one part of the way their opposing team has built themselves that's not running in all cylinders – they are so strong that they're going to find that weakness and just just run over you because of that. Yeah. Um, which is what's going to make the next series, to me, very interesting because it's going to be Dodgers-Braves, it looks like, assuming there's not a miracle comeback. And San Diego's already pulled off a great comeback once before against the Cardinals. Thank you, Padres. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Braves, coming off of their series with the Marlins, first of all, thank you, Atlanta, for performing an essential public service and knocking the Miami Marlins out of this postseason, uh, but the Braves, the, their their playoff run, when when it started, it was supposed to be: do they have enough incredible offense to overcome what's essentially one great pitcher and a bunch of mediocre starters behind that? The Braves have given up, given up runs in a total of three innings of one game, period, entirely in their postseason run. Like, we knew Max Fried was going to be good, but uh, all of a sudden, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright 
are throwing shutouts every game. And I think part of that is definitely because they're playing a Cincinnati Reds team that was just a weird, somewhat similar to the Cubs, just a weird, should be much better than they are offense. And then a Marlins team that shouldn't have been there. But nonetheless, I mean, the Braves have pitched four shutouts in five games. So you would think if somebody's going to match up against Dodger pitching, maybe? I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as, as much as you'd, yeah, you'd like it to happen for a competitive series, but yeah, I, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright are probably still not anywhere close to what the Dodgers are going to bring every game. No, and I, yeah, I think they've, they've matched up well so far. And good for them. God bless them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marlins also weren't or aren't aren't a great team. I mean, they kind of like got here a little early. They might be a good team in like three years, but they're not. They're not a real playoff team yet. Uh, Braves probably are, and so I think they kind of suffered from that. Yeah, it absolutely did. And then the Braves absolutely are a real playoff team at this point. Uh, are you are you a fan of uh, Ronald Acuna? Since we talked about fun players earlier, yeah, yeah, he's a fun player to watch. He is, he is a delight to me. Like uh, from the moment he got called up, he just stuck out to me as someone who is not just kind of transcendently talented, but has that kind of dynamic energy that you just love watching. Like I yeah. went to a game the Braves were playing in San Diego last year, and Machado crushed one to dead center that you thought immediately off the bat, well, that's gone, and he kind of did a Bellinger on it. That uh, again, just kind of went right up to the fence and leaps and at the perfect apex brought it back in. And you don't even think of Acuna's defense as his number one tool, but just seeing that in person, that's, that's another moment where I'm just leaping up and going nuts for what a player does. And I bring all this up because the Miami Marlins have got beef with Ronald Acuna only because (laughs) he's good. Yeah. Uh, Did you see in game one, any of the the highlights of uh, Sandy Alcantara? deciding that Ronald Acuna hitting a leadoff home run was just not going to stand and punking yeah. him. Yeah. And this, this comes on the heels of uh, two years ago, Jose Urania, uh, the former Marlins ace during the early stages of their re- rebuilding effort, after Acuna was just going on a rampage and had like, I want to say three consecutive games he'd let off with a home run. And Urania decided that he was going to hit him on the wrist to lead off a game to prevent that. So the Marlins and Acuna have this weird history going on. And honestly, if Acuna wants to just keep destroying them game after game, I am fine with it if that's how you're going to respond. And I am all for, I'm all for beef between teams and I'm all for like some teams like being mean to players that are, you know, like, that they have trouble with. I, I, I guess I've never understood teams like trying to punish players just for being good. That just seems a really, really weird to me and really petty, especially if you're throwing at someone. Anytime you throw a fastball at someone, you could end their career, which is not okay. Yeah, it's that, that old school mentality of uh, they, they assume that hitting someone with a baseball is justice, but it's assault. Yeah. And you're going after someone who should be one of the faces of the game for the next 
decade at least. And it's, it's, yeah, it's disturbing. Uh, yeah, who is it who threw at Bryce Harper, like his first? Oh, that was, uh, was that Hunter Strickland? Are we going back? No. To oh, no, was... that was Cole Hamels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just was... like, this guy, this guy might be good. I'm going to like throw at him for no reason. Yeah. It was just like, why? And, and <laughs> afterwards, like he didn't even try to hide it either. Like, didn't he say something like, yeah, I was just trying to welcome him, welcoming him to the show. Yeah, I wanted to like put him in his place or something like right. that. He's just like, you you don't even know him, right. right? You don't even have a chance to have beef yet. Yeah, and it's that's that weird kind of baseball sense that's like left over from the fifties or even yeah. ago. Oh, hell, that probably goes back to Ty Cobb's day. I'm sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> back then, well. like Walter Johnson was slinging him up under Ty Cobb's chin uh, in his first couple plate appearances. Let's see what you got, Rook. Where Ty Cobb was spiking anyone who is too tan because you might be black uh, <laughs> yeah oddly enough uh assault and racism should you know both be kind of kicked out of the game at this point yeah i like to think we've evolved for no other reason than it's kind of passe <laughs> yes uh hell i mean if if we can get rid of the tomahawk chop you think maybe we could uh yeah we could get rid of the spikes high too yeah uh which leads us to the one series that is not over as of this taping because uh, the Yankees just took care of Tampa Bay tonight 5-1, to one, which means that one's going to an elimination game tomorrow. Um, it sounds like the Yankees are bringing back Garrett Cole and the Rays are bringing back Blake Snell on short rest. I, I'm thinking that that's a huge advantage for the Yanks, but do you, do you have a sense? That's, uh... I, would, I would say so. I mean, I, know, I, I like whenever the Yankees lose because – yeah. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> the Rays have always the Rays have done always better than you think they should. I think they're, they're they've kind of crappy stadium. Their fan base is terrible. Their ownership doesn't seem to put that much money into the team, but for some reason they always end up doing pretty good. And so I, I kind of like watching them win. But uh, I don't know. I think this is probably definitely the Yankees' advantage. And they are just – they're just a better team, even though Rays have a significantly better record this year, if I'm not mistaken. The Yankees still seem like a much, much, much better team. Right, certainly certainly by the names. Uh, The the thing that uh, is fun about the Rays, especially in the postseason, I always like to approach Rays' postseason berths by knowing – as little as I can about their team before October starts, just because then it's like, there's always a surprise with them in the postseason where there's one player that you just see going off and think, okay, well, I guess he's the good guy now. Uh, This year, like uh, Randy Arozarena is hitting over 500 (laughs) with three home runs and sure. Okay. If he's your star, great. I I think that's awesome. But uh, the Yanks are, you know, are throwing their lineup with judge and Stanton and Glaber Torres at you. So, of course, that they have the deeper lineup. But one thing that I think we've learned from this short series is that the Yanks clearly have the better roster, but the Rays have the deeper pitching staff, especially when yeah. it comes to starters. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing. They couldn't take advantage of Jordan Montgomery tonight because the Yanks have Garrett Cole, who is an ace of aces. You know, he's yeah. one of the very best pitchers of the game. 
Beyond that, they were doing a bullpen game in game two of this series. And the Yanks should never do a bullpen game. You're the New York goddamn Yankees, for God's sake. The fact that you're throwing Davey Garcia out there in game two and then backing him up with Jay Happ, who apparently didn't want to do like a bullpen piggyback thing, uh, that indicates that, yeah, they are not, that they know that they've got very little beyond Garrett Cole. Yeah. So if you can draw them out into a longer series, I, I would think that that's an advantage. But if you're, if you're getting Garrett Cole twice in five games, you've got to win the other three in the middle. And unfortunately, yeah. they didn't do that. And that's probably going to be their undoing in the end. But uh, they're the Rays. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're good at finding ways to win weird games, uh, particularly this year. I, I wouldn't put it past them. Oh, yeah. And certainly Blake Snell is talented and capable enough to come out and decide to shove for one game randomly because, I mean, it's only two years removed from his, his own Cy Young season. Yeah. And the Rays could also, I mean, since it's been, I think, three days rest, you could do Blake Snell and then bring Tyler Glasnow back for at least one or two innings after that if you want. And then you've got the equivalent of a pretty solid maybe six or seven innings eating starter from the, at that point. And, and then, yeah, it might be a crapshoot for them. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a fun game to watch, actually. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm actually kind of talking myself into believing in the Rays a little bit as this goes along. I, I mean, I think they're going to win. Cool. All right, my, I'm putting that prediction out here right now. The the Rays <laughs> win tomorrow. We went into this going, yeah, Garrett Cole is going to cinch it for the Yanks. Yeah, now we're completely on board the Tampa. Yeah, train. yeah wow. I'm on the Tampa train. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to touch on before we get to uh, a quick uh, bit with your team for a second. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, I love to see doing well because I really like it when the guy that Yankees fans have randomly decided to hate tells them to go screw and shows them he's still got all the talent in the world. But especially Stanton hit the home run, hit, has hit home runs in five consecutive postseason games, only one shy, and unfortunately he didn't break it, of uh, Daniel Murphy's record. And I only bring this up because Giancarlo Stanton at least doesn't disagree with the fact that Billy Bean is a homosexual. And that is a <laughs> tremendous amount of points in his favor. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, let's close this. I uh, wanted to bring this up because I only learned about this today. Um, the Tigers, as you well know, are in a search for the, their next manager after yeah. the hire re- retired. And I just saw the story this afternoon that uh, they are looking at both A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, who have <laughs> something in common. Uh, as managers go. And uh, they are not so strict in enforcing the rules and, and, and meeting up discipline for players who might break certain rules of the game. Uh, how I, do you feel I about mean, this as a Tigers fan, Adam Sokol? I, I will say I don't... Oh, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to word this without looking like a piece of shit. <laughs> I... Uh, I don't. I don't think that would be a good choice. Uh, either one of those is a bad, bad choice. But if I knew, even with like sixty-five percent certainty, that they would help the Tigers cheat their way to a ring, <laughs> I would be a hundred percent on board. Yeah, that, that's just being honest about being a fan, right? Yeah, yeah. That if, if it uh, if it ends the is it the thirty-six year drought at this point? Yeah. Then you do what you got to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because AJ Hinch 
before he took the job in Houston was a managerial failure with Arizona. Like, I don't think he lasted two years with that team. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's interesting how that even with the cheating scandal, his reputation is rehabilitated to the point where he would be one of the top choices for any team looking for a manager after he, and after he finishes serving his suspension. Uh, and Alex Cora, um, my sense, and it's certainly the sense you get from reading Boston writers, is that the Red Sox are going to go hard at bringing him back after such an incredible year only two years ago with that team. Uh, do you think the Tigers could compete with the Red Sox for his services? No. No, no not, not even a little bit. I mean, the, the Tigers are, I think, are a few years away from actually paying money for anything for that matter. But I think they're kind of looking for a placeholder for two years before they spend money on real everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it kind of thought Gardenhire, even though I wasn't a huge fan of that choice, I kind of thought that Gardenhire was supposed to be like a four-year placeholder until they were kind of ready to compete again, and then they would get a real manager. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna spend money on a real manager for a while. Yeah, and honestly, that makes sense unless you think that there's a way that you can shortcut the process. Uh, and honestly, with that roster, I, I don't know that you'd want to try because it, it still seems like they're, they're a ways away at this point. They're a ways away. They were surprisingly fun this year. I think a lot of guys overperformed, mm -hmm. which helped. But they were really fun to watch, and I was surprised how, how competitive they stayed till the end of the year. Yeah, they, they weren't completely out of a playoff spot until the last two or three weeks, right? Yeah, they really kept in there for a while. How are you feeling about the re, uh, the rebuild in general? <laughs> not, not great, but yeah. at the same time, they've got a few players who are at least fun enough to watch that'll keep me tuning in every week or you know, eight times a week or whatever, you know. <laughs> Keep me watching them. Yeah. That's like uh, Jimmer Candelario is a like a real fun player to watch. You're just a few players who like really I don't know, play the game in a real fun fashion that make it fun to watch. Yeah, that is I think there's still a few years before they're gonna be in like any kind of contention, especially since Alavila doesn't really seem to know how to build a baseball team, God bless him. <laughs> uh, he's trying, but uh, yeah. it doesn't have any clue on uh, how yeah you'd think that would be like the first requirement to embarking on a giant rebuild like this but uh yeah you would think but yeah he just doesn't he's just he's just very bad and i don't i never really had a lot of faith in dave dombrowski and he i have less faith in him <laughs> well uh, i guess at the very least they're not hiring former Michigan football coaches to run the team. So you're ahead of that era of Tigers baseball for what that's worth. Yeah, that's, that's worth something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug while I still got you here, Adam? No, I really, I really don't right now. It's, uh, I had, um, it's funny, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had, I think, four to six dates on the books that I was really excited about. And I just had my last one canceled, which was two weeks from now. Ugh. So I got I got nothing. Where was it going to be? 
uh, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Oh, at geez. the end of the at the end of this month, they are opening the week after I was supposed to be there. Oh man, so. yeah. Well, uh, you've got your health, and that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do got my health. Yeah, honestly, I, I I would pick that over a weekend date right now. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, maybe that makes us bad comics, but on the other hand, it also makes us not DL Hughley. So yeah, it makes yeah. us alive. We'll take so. that. And uh, yeah, Adam, this is been a pleasure and we got some fun championship series to look forward to let's get houston out of there and hopefully enjoy a world series yeah i really hope they're just get not even just lose i want them to just get embarrassed <laughs> i want it, i want it to be really ugly yeah yeah give us uh, well I, I don't say give us one thing 2020 because you and i both know what the one thing we really really want to happen is and it's hopefully on november 3rd but uh yeah. Oh, us, I was going to say before then, but yeah, uh, if, yeah. But if you give us two things, 2020, uh, yeah. check it out on um, L2B and Bregman, please. Good to talk, sir. You too, buddy. <laughs>